Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson and Michael Brunts here on January 24th, I think. You're correct. You're right. All right, well, Good we job. didn't even have to go to our illustrious stats department for that one, which I think still looking up stats from last week. I believe so. They're hard at work. <laughs> All right, well, how are you guys doing here as we are two weeks away from signing day? Can you hear the excitement in my voice? Yes. Yeah, there's a little. I can't hear it in yours, Bronx, at all. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking up stats from last week. There we go. I think you tried to sell it. I don't know that you're going to sell everybody, but you, you tried. I, I feel like people should be excited in the sense that then they get to move on to a new class and they don't have to, uh, you know, talk themselves into this class as much anymore. And then it's a, a new one and. You know, people are signed. You don't have to worry about who's visiting who and is Herm Edwards stealing your recruits and all those <laughs> kinds of things. Mike, what's your favorite part of signing day? Uh, is it when the fax machines start rolling? Is it? I think it's when Nebraska officially announces the class because then you all that tension and nervousness that there's going to be some big surprise is gone. Uh, at that point, you know all of the answers. I like filling in the gaps on some questions and things that I couldn't really write about while the recruits had not signed yet. Uh, those are things I like. Uh, I, I enjoy the recruiting expert field multiplies by about 45, particularly the week of signing day. Uh, you, you get a lot of people that I'd never seen cover recruiting before with strong opinions on how Nebraska's class is doing. Was that kind of me? Like... Uh... A year or so yeah, ago, you covered it though. <laughs> you you talked to recruits. I yeah. did. It, it's more so the people that I know have never talked to anybody in the class that then have strong opinions on who's in the class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's there's plenty of people outside of just the recruiting services that cover recruiting in the state perfectly fine. But you know what my biggest kick out of recruiting is? It's uh, analysis of players based off of like four minutes of huddle film. Yeah. It's just I, like really, come on. This is this is your best of this is their best of the best. You talk to any coach, they're always going to tell you, and you those are worth something. But you got to go through and look at the full thing, see yeah, the plays they the, weren't good at, and it tells you a lot more. You get the cut ups of the actual game and not just yeah. the, the highlight film. I don't. Well, there's like a huddle platinum where, where that's where you can see that, all that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean it's. I don't watch as much film, I think, as I used to. I know that's one of the changes for me with recruiting. And a lot of my opinions are more so based off of the various evaluators and people that have seen them play more so than my own watching of film. And in large part because there's there's so many positions that are really hard for me to watch on film and try to evaluate that it is difficult to really give anybody an accurate judgment. I mean – Every running back you ever see in the high school level looks like he's Bo Jackson. Mm-hmm. And then you actually get him to college, and a lot of these guys can't hit the hole and they can't break a tackle to save their life. I've got a question for both of you. As, as two guys who have covered this closely for several years now, how do you feel as far as your job is concerned about – this split signing day thing. Do you like it? Do you not like it? What, what's your – I I like it a lot, actually. Um in terms of the workload for both what I do and what the Nebraska coaching staff does, it cuts it down considerably. Yeah. I mean, I don't 
mean this in a rude way, but I don't have to call Katerian Legroni after Nebraska visits. Not because I, I mean, I'm still interested. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I'm going to make that call, but it's not, it's not on a you know immediately get in contact with him the way that I did when I saw the tweet that they had stopped by to see Hamilton Hall. Like that becomes more interesting. Um, I like it because you also see the different strategies popping up with various teams. I think your your better recruiting teams and your smarter recruiting teams have done a really nice job of cherry picking other people's evaluations. I mean, this doesn't people get mad about that, but I mean, you have a kid like Tyon Palmer that went from Nebraska was maybe his biggest offer by the, when they offered in early December. To he was tweeting out an Alabama offer, what, this week or last week? And he has the majority of offers now in the SEC and the ACC. And this guy played in Georgia and Atlanta in a hotbed of recruiting, and nobody was recruiting him that heavily mm-hmm. to the point that he was a Duke commitment and then took a visit to Vanderbilt. And then all of a sudden he's now one of the maybe 15 biggest names in the recruiting cycle because of that split. I mean – I'll be very curious to see what recruits take away from this, too. I mean, I wonder if there's guys that regret signing right now. I would think they they probably wouldn't say it. I'm not going to get them on the record of saying it, but I kind of wonder. And then when I've talked with 2019 kids, I've been asking them, well, what do you think of this? And several of them have kind of said, if I'm not going to enroll early, I might just wait. Yeah, that's going to be a really good data point to follow. What was the percentage of kids – what was it, 65% or 70? Uh, seven, it was right? 79% of the guys oh, wow. that were committed before oh, okay. the signing day signed. So okay. you had, uh, I guess, you know, about 20% who were committed did not opted not to sign. That'll be a good number to follow next year and see if that goes down. I think it's going to go would, down. You would think so. If kids are being perceptive, I could see where some kids who sign just kind of turn, turn off the TV on recruiting and they're not, maybe they don't notice what's happening, yeah. like, you do but yeah it's it's gonna be very interesting to follow i mean i kind of ran with that but brunts do you have anything you'd want to add no i mean i i think you're right the other wrench in the whole situation is going to be now that you have the earlier official visits um that you didn't have last time i mean you've already seen guys who are you know top 25 top 50 recruits saying that they're going to be taking all of their visits Mm. uh in the spring and summer when they can and basically shutting it down early. Um, I think that's going to happen. Yeah, I I would be surprised if that happened. It would be disastrous to do it. Yeah. You use all your visits by June, and then you're not going to sign anywhere until December. Yeah. I mean, these were kids who were in L.A., so um, you know that's a little bit different thing where you can get places easier and whatnot. But, I mean, that's what I'll be curious to see is how that changes things. I mean – and Nebraska, I think, is pretty much uniquely positioned if they want to. I mean, not maybe not this year with the visit situation, but if you want to bring in guys for that spring game, I mean, you basically have a game day type atmosphere uh, that a lot of schools aren't going to be able to replicate. So, um, you know, how they kind of choose to do that will be interesting to follow. But I, I agree that if you were a mid-three-star prospect – and you're sitting there in December with a couple Power Five offers. I absolutely would wait and, and just kind of—I mean, it's a bit of a risk, but I mean, based on how guys like Palmer, or a few other guys, kind of really blew up, and especially with coaching changes and, and yeah. kind of reshuffling things. I mean, I think you'd have to feel pretty strongly that it would be a smart decision to wait. 
this sounds ridiculous, but the more you look the part, like if you're physically, I mean, that's one of the reasons Tyon Palmer, Tayon Palmer is getting these offers. One of the reasons Javante Jean Baptiste is getting these offers. The production's there at the high school level, but it helps when you're the six foot five, two hundred and thirty pound raw defensive player that an Ohio State and Larry Johnson is going to look at you and think, well, we've got the scholarship numbers. We might as well offer and take a swing. So I, I think that's a, a big part of it, too. If you're you're Miles Jones, it's a little bit more dangerous to play that game. Now, he was already committed to Vanderbilt and would have been happy to stay with Vanderbilt, but ultimately ended up with Nebraska. I think we we had our podcast before he committed, right? Yes. Uh, and so both he and, and Dominic Watt committed – uh, Braxton Clark committed, all of that happening since our last podcast, all of those guys out of Florida, um, all of them, you know, chose to wait. All of them got their offers from Nebraska in mid-December, roughly. They weren't the early wave, but they were maybe that second, third week of offers that went out. And just kind of it's, it's going to be really kind of interesting to track i mean with nebraska this class is going to look different than what their future ones are going to look like but i wonder if they have a certain percentage threshold that they want to hit in that early signing period each year going forward i mean i doubt if they tell us what that is but i mean those are the kind of things i want to find out from scott frost on the signing day press conference i think you'll see a lot i mean i think you'll see some schools continue to do this but i think you'll see fewer schools kind of take the PJ Fleck approach and have your enti- try to have your entire class signed in that December period. Like I, I just don't, yeah. I don't get why you. I would think you'd want to leave minimum three, four scholarships and see what's out there. Yeah, so Play the game a little bit. You know, I, I think Nebraska would be smart to. I mean, I, I think a lot of schools, especially in places where you don't have you know as many prospects in the area, I think you'd be pretty smart to kind of play the long game in that situation. Um, you mentioned the, the three guys that have committed since we last chatted. Um, two guys that, you know, I, I think maybe we haven't talked a ton about, Jones and, and also Watt, who hasn't even visited Nebraska yet. What, what were kind of your impressions on those commits that came within about based four, on, four hours of each other? Yeah, I mean, based on everyone I've talked to, I think Miles Jones might be in my Super 6. I, I think that he is maybe the best athlete that Nebraska has in their class right now. Um, He's very fast, and he can play in, you know, the open field in an interesting way. You can use him in an interesting way. I fully believe he's going to play as a freshman uh, for Nebraska because they want to get that athleticism on the field. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's going to have, like, the big round numbers where he's going to have a 1,000 yards rushing or a 1,000 yards receiving. But I could see where he could have, you know, a 1,000 total between the two, and that's really valuable. Even if he's getting, you know, 45 rushing yards a game, maybe 40 of that comes on a home run type run where you've sped up tempo on a defense, you have him coming out of the slot, Greg Bell's your running back, you fake to uh, to him a couple times, and the one time you give it to him on the end around, he's able to take it to the house. So, I, I think Miles Jones is, is a really good get. Um, talking with some of the people down who cover in the, the South Florida area, they think if he was two inches taller, he would have had every offer in the SEC and the ACC and anywhere in the country. Uh, and that because he's a little on the short side, people overlooked him. 
Um, one of the guys thought that it was a massive steal for Vanderbilt uh, and that they were probably smarting a little bit when Nebraska came through and got them to not sign and then take that visit. The uh, that the narrative around him kind of reminds me a lot of J.D. Spielman. Yeah, and not, exactly. And not because of necessarily – I mean, skill-wise, I think they do some similar things. But, um, you know, Spielman was kind of a similar situation where, you know, a little bit smaller if he were you know 20 pounds heavier and maybe an inch or two taller like he's getting a lot more offers minnesota's definitely not letting him get out of the state in that situation and and you're you're hearing the people that have watched him either on film basically saying the same thing both times at the end of their senior year like yeah we probably missed on this guy's evaluation yeah i'm not saying that 24 7 sports is going to re-rate miles jones um but i do think that they probably came in on the the low side of where he's really truly at talent wise. Yeah, well, and, and I think you know how they're planning to use him with kind of the Otis Anderson, uh, D'Anthony Thomas type player. I mean, I think that's kind of a, a an area where Frost can really sell a kid is by go, pointing to very specific players and saying this is how we plan to use you. It's worked at multiple stops that I've been at. And, you know, I, I, I would imagine that Spielman or somebody like that can kind of be that next kind of prototype that they can use to sell on the recruiting trail, too. Because, I mean, from when you talk to Jones, I talk to Jones, you know, he was very clear from the message that Nebraska gave him how he was going to be used. And I, I think that that's a really valuable thing that you can have. It's a good interview, too. Yeah, to, to sell a, a prospect like that. Yeah, you have to think with a guy like Miles Jones, that is it's a good point. That's where Frost and the staff has a have a huge advantage right now because I think you could just flip on the tape of Central Florida last year and point to ten to twelve explosive plays from kids that are like Miles Jones that are kind of that size. And when I first saw that he committed, I, I and heard about him and the stuff you guys wrote, I was thinking, like, that sounds exactly like the type of guys that were playing in that offense at UCF. Yep. I mean, he fits He fits all those – he checks all those boxes, as we like to say. I think, and this is maybe just a little bit of projection, and feel free to call me out if you think I'm way out there with this, but I think that Nebraska is going to have some success on the recruiting trail by playing up the chip-on-your-shoulder card with kids – like a Miles Jones, not that they, I mean, they were a big offer for him, but with some other guys like a Javante Jean-Baptiste or some other players, like, look, I mean, we, we identified you early. Other people were coming in late. I mean, this is a staff that I think really kind of can play that. Nobody believed in us and we made it happen. Nobody was really believing in you and you made it happen. Now you want to come to a place where someone does. I think they can use that to their advantage in places like Florida where there's going to be guys that are in that early signing period and that early rush are going to fall through the cracks for some of those in-state schools. Right. And I think that's a message that resonates with kids because you can tie it to them, and then you can show them, like, all these guys at Central Florida that had really nice careers that nobody was recruiting is there or that a, nobody thought was going to be very good. Is there a shelf life on that, though? Like, I feel, uh, I feel yeah. like you can do it now because, it's, you know, you're coming off of a – You can't do – if I mean, if Nebraska starts rolling, you're not going to be able to do it. But you can do it when they can tie it back to Central Florida. Sure. What's what I mean, like, if they go, like, seven, seven and five next year and then six right. and six or something like that. Like, But if you're, if you're successful, 
at Nebraska, and then you're building on those kids you're bringing in from Florida, and they're successful. I mean, the best way to recruit an area where you don't have geographical ties to is to have those kids have success on your team. One of the reasons why Nebraska never seems to make enough ground in Los Angeles is a lot of the kids that they bring in don't have the kind of careers that make it easy to point at and say, look, you can be this guy. You can look at what he did. I mean, it, you don't have that kind of success. It doesn't make it very easy to build off of it. You get the Johnny Stantons and the Terrell Newbies and the Keyshawn Johnsons and all of these players, and they have name value. But if they don't go out and do it on Saturday, it washes away a little bit. With this Florida thing, I think back to, remember when we were at the satellite camp last summer in St. Louis mm-hmm. and Mike Riley, he had just been off their trip to Florida mm-hmm. where they'd spent like a couple of days there. And he was, even Mike Riley, who's coached and been in this profession for decades, he, he was still, like, taken aback by when you go to one of those camps, like how everywhere around you is somebody, you're like, who's that, you know, type of player. And it just comes down to a simple math equation. There's too many for everybody in that state to gobble up. And now you have a staff that is really well connected to the high schools in that state. And so, I don't know, someone on the radio asked me the other day, like, do you see this being a, a brief thing where they're, they're just filling out this class because time's against them where they're hitting Florida the way they are? Or is this something that carries forward, you know, in, in the future years? And I have to think it carries forward. Maybe not quite to this degree, but I would say pretty close because once you have a connection with high school coaches, that doesn't just go away just because you switch schools. You still have that relationship where you can talk and uh, you know the high school coach and you know about his family and all that stuff, and you can get into his school and talk to kids. And I, I don't know. I think yeah. they're going to have a lot of success in and Florida. they have different pockets, too. I mean, you have Javon DeWitt that can be down in Broward County and West Palm Beach in that area. And then you have some of the other guys that can recruit Central Florida for you, in Orlando, Tampa, that. And you have some guys up in Jacksonville area, and you look at their commitments, and they come from – a couple from down south and a couple from the north and a couple from the middle. So it's it's kind of they've really used their connections and their evaluations throughout the state, not just, yeah. oh, pulling a bunch of kids from the same tri-county area. Think about someone like Guy Thomas. If Guy Thomas is around here growing up, he's a freak that is getting in the headlines all the time. And, I mean, everybody knows about him. And he obviously had attention down there, but probably not as much as it deserved for a guy of his yeah. his uh, size and skill set. And that's just because you get lost in the traffic down there. Yeah, and it's – I mean, if you're taking, let's say, like the 60th overall player in Florida, I mean, chances are you're still getting a guy. <laughs> chances are he's just outside the top two. Four, I know, seven. but like, I mean, even if you get down to like number 90 – I know. Like I, that, know. I know what you're saying. Like I agree. Like if you're Nebraska, you don't have to. I mean, you're you're not searching. It might look like you're looking for diamonds in the rough, but you're still getting like pretty darn good players who was a mid to upper three star. And there's really not a ton of difference between a guy that's number sixty in Florida versus you know the guy that's number eighty more than likely. So I mean, that's where you can play the. You know, find the, the the Joneses or the the Guy Thomases, and and you know you, you pull a few of those guys out every year. I mean, I think that's where you can really make some hay. Boodle, 
would get no love down there, didn't get a lot of love, and he runs a 4-4. You know, and if it, if there's a kid like that around here tearing up the state track and running the kind of yeah. times he's running, I mean, we'd be I, losing our minds about it. I'm still fairly confident that DiCaprio Boodle is going to start multi-years in his career. I think Some of it good. is because of what they, they don't have a lot of cornerbacks. But I really do, I mean, several different cornerback coaches have spoken highly of him. <laughs> Uh, it's, like, it's like the quarterback coach du jour at yeah, Nebraska. Well, and I, I just think that, like, and his teammates like him. Like, it's just he's kind of got that like scrappy do attitude, and he's a fighter. Like, I like watching him on the field. Like, he's not scared to play out there. I, I yeah. and that's a good attitude that you need to have. I think he's one of those guys that can easily be forgotten in off-season talk, and probably will this year. And then I wouldn't be shocked at all if by opening week, like when the depth chart comes out, he's on the front line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, somebody asked that in the chat today, kind of what your your four starting wide re- or your store your starting secondary would be. Oh, I thought it was first corners. Uh, I, I think they did secondary. Uh, uh. I answered the question full. You didn't. <laughs> I'm only getting half credit. <laughs> half credit. You um, didn't see the second essay question on the back page. Yeah. Trouble. Crap. <laughs> That's gonna put a lot of pressure on the final. Yeah, I have to go find that question. The but I mean, it, it's you got to figure it's probably gonna be Lamar Jackson. Um, I mean that that other spot though it's like completely wide open. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be Lamar and Boodle. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. And but what maybe it, it clicks for Lee or Anderson or Butler or Stovall. I mean, or Clark, or they just take one of their thirty-seven safeties and move them to the corner. Oh well, one name we didn't mention in there. Mostly because I think he's a nickelback is Deontay Williams. Yeah. He's a guy that I've forgotten multiple times is in this class already. And he's on campus. I think I answered the question and actually added a bonus nickelback of Deontay Williams. I did too. So, what was your full answer, by the way? And I'll tell mine. You guys are just showing off. No? <laughs> I think I went, uh, went Boodle. Uh, Boodle, Lamar Jackson, and then Aaron Williams. And I, I went with JoJo Doman yeah, over Antonio I Reed. I feel like... I feel like JoJo's going to have a chance. I did, too. I had those four, and then I also included Deontay. Well, I didn't copy your answer, either. I don't want to be accused of anything, even if mine appeared can, after yours. We can go back and check the timestamps to be sure. <laughs> well, that's exciting. <laughs> Do you guys have uh, – I mean, we can get into kind of more who's coming in this weekend and that kind of stuff, but any other sort of thoughts from their run of commitments in Florida in general? Or are we kind of – um, well, this isn't to Florida. I'll, I'll, I was interested in when I talked to Casey Rogers and I'll get into him a little bit. Um, I just love that guy's story. Like I didn't, until I talked to him, I, I admit I didn't know everything about it. And I just really like, I think there's a few guys like this in this class too. We can make this broader who bet on themselves in big ways. Where like the, Scott Frost. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but they could have, I mean, in Casey Rogers' case, he had it all set up to go play lacrosse with his for his dad at Syracuse. And, I mean, that's a dandy setup. And he only has one offer on his plate from Western Michigan by the time he finishes his high school career. There's a lot of kids who wouldn't have taken a chance there. Um, but the other thing that's interesting about him and – is is how he thought this out because of his dad like he wanted to go to that post that prep school for a year because he wanted to be a year or two older 
It's like those parents that hold their kids back like a grade so they're a little taller like when they're in high school. Malcolm Gladwell says that's the way to go. Yeah. Well, especially if you're a uh, Minnesota parent trying to have a really good hockey player, the yep. older the better. Yeah, yep. that, that's what he did here. And he even said, well, if I redshirt, I'll be two years older. So, I mean, he, he's one of those guys who he's like, he has a whole plan in place about how he was going to attack this, and he did. And, and then I think when he went to that camp in Alabama and Nick Saban said, hey, you're pretty good you know, keep, keep at it. I think that was the encouragement he needed. And, and here he is and fans are going to like him. He's a, he's a, he'll be one of those guys. That's a good, if he's playing, he'll be in front of the media. And I, I think he'll be a hit. Yeah. So I think both of their defensive ends are kind of similar in that regard with Wildeman. With Wildeman. Yeah. I think they're just guys that they're probably not going to be super flashy players, but they're just going to be contributors and, and people are going to like them. They're good personalities. So they're basically like the Big Ten West defensive linemen that Iowa and Wisconsin have that just wear you down. Like, I mean, that, that, that that's kind of maybe oversimplifying a little bit. But, I mean, when you see, saw both of those guys film, you're like, these guys look like Wisconsin yeah. players where they just like wear you out. Well, they look like quarters. they fit the position for yeah. sure. I mean, think about them from the size perspective of those two versus, you know, Carlos Davis right now. Or even freedom. I think they're both a little taller than freedom is, so it it fits kind of that that book in three four narrative. Yeah, well, I, I kept thinking of like that uh, the guy that plays uh, defensive line for Wisconsin, Isaiah Loudermilk, who was like <laughs> an, an eight man football player in Kansas. Well, Nebraska could have had him. Too. Yeah, but like that same kind of idea though, where it's a guy that was probably you know lightly recruited, probably has a chip on his shoulder. Um, and he just comes in and, you know, works his ass off and plays well. I mean, it, that kind of feels like how both of those guys are. A lot of guys with chips on their shoulders. I think this this room is guys with chips on their shoulders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Runs <laughs> no doesn't have any chip over there. Sorry, I'm just Tariko and like crazy yeah. over here. Thanks, Bruns. Yep. Uh, do we want to talk about visitors for this weekend? Yeah, we can get into that. We know of three. Well, we know of four. I'm not 100% convinced all four of these are going to be in on Saturday, but as of right now, they're planning. So you have Cam Taylor, who I think is the most interesting of this group in terms of – actually, there's five. And, uh, yeah, there's two linemen. Okay, so you have Cam Taylor, who I think is the most interesting of this group in terms of athleticism, and I think he's probably a safety, but maybe you could get him to play a little corner. It's a little, a little like Kalu to me. In terms of his his size and his build, and probably better as a safety, but I think he could play corner or nickel if you needed him to. He's coming in this weekend, and frankly, I mean, it's it's Nebraska or Auburn, and I wonder if he has the open door at Auburn to be able to commit there. Uh, so that's that's going to be interesting. Then you have Matthew Tago, who's a quarterback athlete from the Los Angeles area. He is all about Nebraska. I, if the door is open for him to commit, I would be shocked if he didn't do it after the weekend. Uh, I think that Nebraska likes the idea of him as a second quarterback in the class. If he doesn't work out at that position, they can move him to linebacker and not lose any sort of athleticism there. And then you have Dominic Watt coming in for his official visit. He is the first player, I think, to have committed to this staff without seeing Nebraska first. And that is – it's always rare when that happens, especially with Nebraska, but you get it a couple times a year. But Watt is the first with this staff. He's coming in for his visit. It got moved up from February 2nd. 
to this weekend. Then you have a pair of offensive linemen, and these are the guys I'm not sure if they're actually going to be making it in yet. You have um, Willie Canty the third, who Brunts will talk to you more about here in a second, and then Blake McDonald, a lineman out of Los Angeles that Nebraska visited last week, seems to have some interest in. There's some crystal ball predictions there. I'm not sure what other schools are after McDonald at this point. Uh, but if Nebraska goes that route, it seems like he might be a quick commitment as well. The the Canty thing is interesting. He kind of popped up on the radar this week uh, in the kind of context of whether or not he was going to visit Louisville. Um, actually had an offer from Frost and his staff at um, when they were at UCF. Uh, he's out of Florida, um, 6'6", 290 offensive tackle. Doesn't have a Nebraska offer right now, um, but – said that he's going to be visiting Nebraska this weekend, followed by a trip to uh, Louisville uh, on February 2nd. See if that happens. Um, you know, the, the offensive line will be interesting, I think, to kind of see how that plays out because you've got a lot of guys out there, not many spots left. Um, but that, that's kind of, the I guess, the quick rundown on Willie Canty um, and kind of where things stand for him. So, With Tago, because he fascinates me, have you gotten a sense – um, I mean, I know the fact that Nebraska's leaving the door open at quarterback is intriguing to him, but do you get the sense like that he's like, I, I really want to be a quarterback? or I think he really wants to go to Nebraska um, compared to maybe his other options. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just the quarterback thing or the excitement of just kind of how they've recruited him. Uh, and it's a, it's a frankly, it's a bigger school of what his other yeah. options are at this point. So. I can't answer that question in the sense that it's because of the quarterback thing, but I think it's more of just Nebraska and the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And the quarterback plays a part of it. I know in interviews he's talked about he'd be fine playing on either side of the ball, so that's not a huge deal for him. It's more getting the right place and the right, right. people. Yeah. The, I mean, the question we've been asked about 500 times this week and probably will be over the, you know, double that in the next two weeks. How's Nebraska going to fit all these guys in? <laughs> well, I have no idea. Because like I said, I mean, I, I've not heard anything that tells me they're moving much off of the, the low 20s number. Uh, maybe they have some attrition that hasn't been reported yet, and so they can bump that up, but not to the extent. And, and the funny thing is they have far more people claiming they're visiting Nebraska than they actually have official visits available for, which is 10. I mean, that's the number that they're using is 10. And I think if you looked at our site right now, there's 14 different official visitors. Uh, So not all of those are going to happen. You have, you know, someone like Cam Jones could commit on Saturday and Cam Taylor's on his official visit. Does that take a spot away from Cam Taylor if Cam Jones commits while he's on his official? It's going to be kind of an uncomfortable yeah, like Saturday. He goes in on Sunday <laughs> and, and he's like, hey, I want to be a part of this. And Scott Frost is like, well, actually. We already got our Cam. I'm sorry. <laughs> no more Cams. <laughs> Full up on the One Cam, cam so, per class. <clears throat> um, it, it's real weird. And it's so different than what you and I and, and Brian have experienced in this coverage because with Nebraska's previous staff, it was always kind of like, yeah, they got backup options, but they're confident that nothing bad's going to happen in the final two weeks. And, well, they came up short. And then with Polini, it was like this slapdash 
42 offers going out the final three weeks. Uh, we'll take whoever we're getting, you know. So it's like a, a totally different feel in terms of what they're setting up. And some of that is because they just haven't really nailed down what that final number could be. Does, does I mean, Nebraska already has a cam in their class. Cam Jurgens. Oh, yeah. you're right. Oh. That's going to be an uncomfortable So you get one cam on either side of the signing period? Yeah, maybe. That could be what it is. The Sorry, I'm, I'm no selling like crazy over here today. Yeah, and don't worry about it. I'm <laughs> used to it. Um, if Brunts laughs at your joke, just take it to Hollywood and sell it. Yep. Um, again. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm aware. I'm used to it. You know how many car rides we've made? A lot of quiet ones. <laughs> See, that was good. The uh, position. I mean, what what do you feel like they have to hit though? As they're kind of hitting that number. I mean, if, if let's they got to get one lineman, they got to get a tackle. Okay, so that's one. They're going to take at least one more defensive back. That's two. I think that. <coughs> excuse me. Um, they want one pass rusher. I think that'll be Javante Jean Baptiste. They want one running back or one offensive athlete, which could be stretched in a variety of ways, but I really think it's going to be Henry or Washington. And I'm not by any means giving up on Nebraska's opportunity to get Maurice Washington, despite this run of Arizona state at the moment. Uh, I think that you're talking about a kid that hasn't made any visits at all goes on his first one, his first visits to Arizona state. Yeah. I think he's going to be pretty excited about how it went. And I think it'll be the same with Ohio state this upcoming weekend. And then if the Nebraska visit happens, I think it'll be the same thing there too. So uh, I think, you know, what I'm envisioning in my head is they have roughly a four-ish to five spots left, and those are the things that are most important with your tackle, your defensive back, your pass rusher, and this running back. If you have another spot available, maybe that's where a Tago comes in. If you don't get a, a John Baptiste, maybe Tago fills your linebacker spot a little bit there because he could end up playing that. I, I just I don't see where this third offensive lineman or – all these wide receivers that are set up for visits. Um, I, I don't see where some of that fits in. So these have to be like plan B, plan C, plan D type situations to me. It's kind of like that scene in the hangover where Alan's standing there with like the math stuff running by his face. Like I imagine Scott Frost doing that. Scholarship to, math right tr- there. Tr- trying to figure out how this <laughs> all fits together. But yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting because it's, yeah, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of guys who are scheduled to come in on February 2nd. And I'm, you know, obviously Nebraska hasn't bought the flights yet, but if they did, I hope they bought uh, some insurance for that. This is kind of off subject, but I have Matthew Tago's highlights playing in front of my face on our site. And it's funny watching the first like 10 to 15 plays of like, he looks sc- like he's playing pop Warner. Kids. Yeah. High school defenders <laughs> trying to tackle a six, three, 230 pound quarterback. It's pretty good humor. Th- those are the best kinds of huddle <laughs> that, that and like a foster Serrell just blocking like a 210 pound defensive end in Washington was always a, a fun one too. I like those as well. Anything else we need to cover recruiting wise? I think we we hit a lot there. We did hit a lot there. I'm going to throw, before we jump into basketball or the team or anything like that, I'm going to throw a question out at you guys that I actually put on the board earlier today and was part of a Twitter poll as well. Where do you stand on sweet potato fries? Generally anti. Don't need them. I don't think they're very good. There's no situation where I would ever 
order the sweet potato fries over regular fries. My, uh, I find myself in this situation a lot um, where at a restaurant with the wife, she wants to split something. Um, and usually there's like a side that you get to choose. And there's like a list of five. And if there's sweet potato fries on there, I know it's like a done deal. Like, Can you use a veto? Uh, I, I mean, I could try. Would you be in trouble if you used a veto? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a cost-benefit analysis at that point, right? Like, you could try the veto. You could really dig your heels in on the veto. But how badly do you really want that veto? Not on that one. Yeah. That's... Don't spend it there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, uh, there's probably far bigger, and especially if it's like a lunch situation, it's like, this is early in the day, I might need that veto later on. Yeah, just just take it, get a dipping sauce with it to yeah. kind of mask the flavor if you're not big on it. My just, wife is also big on sweet potato fries. I wonder if there is some sort of study that's been done on so this. So you're yeah. splitting this meal, and you get the sweet potato fries as a side... Would she be more angry if you don't eat any of them? Like, you obviously are not involved in eating the sweet. So then it's, you're not even sharing. Here, no, here's the tough one. Is where, like, she's getting something, and I'm getting something, and I have my choice of sides. And then it's suggested that perhaps I should get sweet potato fries because then she could have a few. And then it's <laughs> like, you're, you're totally locked in at that point. And you can't even, wow. I mean, this is that happen. That happens less and less. You don't experience I, as much when you're on a perpetual series of second and third dates in your life. Yeah. I, so, I <laughs> it happens less frequently, uh, in part because I think I've gone nuclear a couple times and oh, really wow. dug my heels in. And so you do veto. I I vetoed less and less as I've gotten older. <laughs> Schaefer is still in that position where if you were on a date, you could. You could make it clear, be like, "I'm not a sweet potato fry guy, and this is not changing." I actually probably would. This is, if this is a deal breaker for you, I'm not splitting sweet potato fries with you. Yeah, everybody's selling their <laughs> best behavior at that point, and especially regard. Let them know early. Yeah, but then it'll be some, maybe it'll come up like five years in your marriage, some on some bad day, like I yeah, you don't even like, like sweet potato fries. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's good to know. I'll let you guys know if that, that comes up here in the next few months. Hopefully, well, I know for a fact she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm fine with <laughs> sharing my the secret of my uh, disdain for that conversation. But well, we got far more out of that than I was expecting to. I didn't. I did I, not know that. I both thought of you were going to ask about the uh, '92 Olympic hockey team. Well, we can we a... can discuss that, but I also want to make sure we get to your movie review. You went to a movie. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. And, First uh, movie I've seen in a theater in like six months. Wow. <laughs> I've seen three in six days. <laughs> well, that's <right>. okay. <laughs> well, uh, what did you go see and how was it? Um, I saw The Post uh, starring Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, and basically every actor in Hollywood yep. wanted to be in that movie, it appears. Um, that's a that's a good wagon to kind of hit yourself to, I think, if you're an yeah. actor. It's the most star-studded newspaper uh, in a while. One thought I had, uh, the Post, of course, is about the Washington Post and it, their decision to run the Pentagon Papers, um, basically 
you know, they got a hold of him after the New York Times did, and they wanted to run him. And it was it's kind of about Catherine Graham and a lot of men kind of doubting her in her position and whether, you know, she can make a call on this. And she makes a bold call that we're running him, even though the president of the United States is against it. One thing I thought, though, however, is I was like, man, if I'm with the New York Times, I feel like I'm kind of getting a bad deal in the movies. Like, you already had the deal where all the president's men, which was fair, was all about the Washington Post. But here's an example where the New York Times actually beat the Washington Post butt on this story, like really badly, and had the Pentagon Papers before. I mean, this is, we're going back four decades, but... um, and yet the story is all about the Washington Post. I'd be getting a little irritated if I were at the time. So it's funny you say that because I had to look up why the movie was about the Washington Post and the Pentagon Papers as its storyline as opposed to the New York Times based on like what you learn and you take some of these journalism history classes or just freedom of the press discussions, that kind of thing. And it... I had to like figure out why that was the angle, and it they, it makes sense in the movie as mm-hmm. it goes that way. But this is real journalism nerd stuff. But I mean, everybody knows Woodward and Bernstein. Neil Sheehan was the guy from the New York Times who broke all the Pentagon Papers. Probably broke as many stories as anybody during that period of time, and he's just kind of like a footnote in as far as yeah. like history gives him. But now I'm wondering if we should have put a spoiler alert on this. People. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of. Well, people know it, don't they? Kind of. I I, I feel like you don't have to do spoiler alerts for yeah. real it, history. It would, it would kind of be like a spoiler alert on like JFK, like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, uh, could you imagine you going to JFK and you're just stunned? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> That's what happened. They killed the title <laughs> character that early. There's. There's probably some folks out there. I, in this day and age, there's some folks out there who'd be like. This is interesting. Will this happen? Yeah. All right. Well, um, Brunts, did you see any movies this week? I have not seen any movies recently. The one thing I do know, um, here's a little breaking news from the podcast. Um, Willie Canty third, who we talked about a couple minutes ago, uh, just let me know that Nebraska visit has been moved to February 2nd. He's going to Louisville this weekend. So uh, yet another guy that's, you know, Hopefully they purchased some trip insurance for. Yeah, that's a that's a point for for one Mike Schaefer and his skepticism right there. Pays to be skeptical. It does. It's like it that does. guy knew that the podcast was going on. <laughs> He's like, I need to let He's these like, guys know yeah, right I, for, now. First and foremost, I better text Michael Brunt. <laughs> let him know what the latest is. I appreciated the heads up, but it kind of signs were pointing that to that direction <laughs> so are you gonna wait to put that news on the board until you get the podcast out and enough people will be far enough along in the you don't want to scoop them before they're listening to the podcast that's a good point now what maybe that's a sign that we've been podcasting for entirely too long if news is changing we haven't even gotten into the the basketball yet that's true uh well do we want to go there yeah let's do it i, I thought, was told we spent too much yeah, time i was on just gonna say last week there was a little bit of an uprising on social media about the amount of time we spent talking mm-hmm. husker hoops and they hadn't even beaten michigan yet they had not <laughs> and we were very skeptical about their ability to beat michigan and they showed yeah. us i have i think every prediction i've made regarding nebraska basketball on this podcast has been wrong so that's exciting so we should we talk a little nebraska rutgers sure it's gonna be an ugly one I feel like it's going to be a real, like... Does that even really need to be said based on these two teams? Yes. 
Oh, okay. I mean, no, it probably doesn't. I, it's uh, it's going to be a rock fight. It's got to be a rock fight. It's Rutgers. <laughs> it's Nebraska. It's a rock fight next. Does James Palmer put in 34 rocks tonight? They're, they're going to need him to, I feel like. Um, Rutgers has beaten Iowa and Wisconsin at home. They took Michigan State to overtime on the road. They beat Seton Hall at home. They lost to Stony Brook at home. So They're not bad. Has Illinois won no. a game since you declared that they weren't the worst team in the Big Ten? Uh, Fact, they haven't won a game. They got boat raced by Wisconsin by 25, correct? Wisconsin's pretty good, though. <laughs> they're, they're in that like soft underbelly of the Big Ten, I'm telling you. Which is a pretty big underbelly. It's, it's full. Uh, but no, I mean, it's uh, that Ohio State game was felt like a missed opportunity. I mean, that, that and that's kind of the the tough thing about Nebraska and the way they play defense is you feel like they're probably in every game. Um, and you know, you, you had a chance, to, uh, kind of like your last marquee win of the regular season, and you don't get it done. I don't even think it the, the marquee thing matters as much as just stacking wins on wins on wins. I mean, it, they're going to have a loss somewhere in this next period of games where it could have been a win and it doesn't matter that it who the opponent is. It just matters that it's not another win. Right. Yeah. It's And tonight will be interesting too because, I mean, Rutgers is actually favored in this game, which is a little bit remarkable to me. But they still have Corey Sanders. He's still there, still chucking like threes. 37 years senior. He's a chucka. James Palmer play one-on-one to settle it. That'd be all right. Wouldn't you enjoy that more, far more? To 21. Yeah. Just have them go to 21. And it and can everybody... be like, they can include tips that, you know, when you played as a kid and you could tip somebody down to zero or back to 12 or whatever you wanted to play it. Maybe go that route. It's not a bad idea. Just maybe add Doobie in there for a game of two on two with one of Rutgers' backup players as well. I loved when you were playing 21 and you wanted to make the math work right so you wouldn't have to go back down. So you'd have to intentionally clank a free throw without. <laughs> And doing it in such a way that the guy couldn't tip you. That was always the one where, like, you'd bank it in somehow miraculously, yeah. too, and then you'd go back well, you, anyways. You'd shoot really hard at the front of the hoop to try to get it to go right back at you so you could have the ball right away. Maybe get the ball stuck between the iron and the <laughs> thing where you had to get, like, I mean, an athletic person could jump up and get it, but somebody like me, you'd have to get another basketball or a push broom. Go get the push broom, <laughs> yeah. yeah. to knock it out. How, how did you guys feel about the answers on the uh, – the two-on-two basketball question. I didn't see who I was favoring. So I think Brunts was the one that got the most runs. No, do we do we need some context here? We asked on the board if you had a had to pick a teammate for two-on-two to go against the other staff members of Nebraska twenty-four-seven. Who would you pick? I think you were actually in the lead because everybody assumed that. I, I think somebody said that they thought that Brian and I would somehow incur exercise-induced asthma. Another guy said that I didn't. I didn't look like an athlete. You do over me. It's going to be exercise-induced asthma. That's good to know. I didn't say anything in the thread, but I. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have been offended. You just went, I, hmm. I know what I am. Interesting. Uh, and then BC threw out that he was uh, ahead of. Uh, is it Omar Bynum? Yeah, Omar Bynum who played at Northwest and then Omar North and eventually Iowa State uh, in junior high. He didn't make. If he's listening, I'm sorry to bring it up, but he didn't make the McMillan B team, and and when Brian Christopherson did, so uh, when did you give up basketball fuck. to focus on soccer and became an all state <laughs> member? From what I understand, okay, 
I was pretty good at basketball as a kid because I just played it nonstop. But as a freshman at North, I think I would have made the freshman team. I, I honestly do. But I did not go to the boys' club in North Omaha. I was lived on the other side of the city, and I wouldn't go to the practices or the little scrimmages. And when it came time to the tryout, like I realized, like oh man, they've already like picked this squad, you know. And so I was kind of out of luck. And I know people are like laughing at that, like because looking at me, they're like, yeah, right, whatever. But I, I did, I could shoot well, and I had good handles. But I haven't played in like five years, so I'm not going to talk any stuff right now about what I would do. You know how I know you had good ball handles? It's because you referred to them as handles. Yeah. Yeah. That's a giveaway. Well, yeah, I think it shows uh, that you've been on the. Or you country. watched a lot of and one. Yeah. Did you have a Did you have a nickname when you played? No. The no, prof- no. The no, professor. No, no, no. Like if you gave me a bat, I think if you gave me a basketball, handles don't leave you. I think if you gave me a basketball right now on this floor, mm-hmm. you'd be like, "Man, that's not bad." Like I think you'd be impressed, you know. You'd be like dribbling it. underneath a chair yeah, you're sitting I, in right now. I think I could do stuff there, but now if you said, "Let's go out and let's shoot," it would be an adventure for me right now, and that's where why I'm not going to talk any smack at all to you guys. Understandable, Brunts. I, I got nothing. I, I that's two minutes of Nebraska basketball talk. <laughs> Use it all. Talk about it. <laughs> I like it. I feel like it was. I feel like we learned a lot here today. I think we need to pick a new sport each week to then determine how which person that went on to fame in that sport BC was better than in McMillan Middle School history. <laughs> it's kind of like a. It, it's been a very interesting. Uh, did I t- tell tell the story in the podcast that uh, I, I think f- so? Yeah, about the the soccer goal. I explained this. I think you said that a relative or something was on the Miller North team yeah. that we beat. Okay. I was just making sure I, I got that. I don't know. Om- they don't Omaha I, North beat if people haven't heard it back in like 1999. And there was apparently some angst in the family still to this day about that, that loss. But I the goalie for Miller North was in tears. <laughs> That's how bad he misplayed I the ball. So much. I'm if he's one of our posters, I'm sorry, but it was just a miserable play by him. And it was funny because I, <laughs> I didn't even have to describe the play at Christmas dinner. It like it was like still very strongly in everybody's minds. Names. Yeah. It was a bizarre goal and it, it's not bragging because honestly it was a bizarre it was such a bizarre goal that like he shouldn't be like that proud of it. It was a pass that ended up in the net somehow. You know, I, I think you should be proud of it because I mean, from what I understand, there's like close to therapy bills that probably needed to be paid because of yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a it's a goal that has stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. If it's still on people's minds in 2018, you got like Maradona's hand of God goal, and then <laughs> that one that you District scored against A3 Miller. finals yeah. 1999 at Miller North High School. Yep. All right. Well, nothing. We nothing else on Nebraska basketball this week. Uh, they've got Iowa on Saturday, so the the Frantrum is going to be in full effect. What's the prediction tonight? It'll be over by the time this gets posted. About probably. I'm going to say Nebraska. I say Nebraska pulls out a narrow four point win on the road. I'm going to say 55 to 51. I'm going to say Rutgers wins by five. Uh, I'll go with Nebraska tonight. Nebraska on Saturday, two wins to finish it off this week. And. Well, we, they also will go to Wisconsin by the time this the next one's recorded. They're going to go up there and uh, show Greg Gard what's what, what's going on there? Uh, I'm not prepared to make an, an announcement on that one okay. just yet. Okay. 
you're abstaining I'd like as well. to, I'd like to study Greg Gard's team a little bit this week. <laughs> you're going to watch some film, yeah. check out the handles. I don't, I don't think it's uh, appropriate to make comment on that yet. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I think we've, we've hit pretty much everything. We've got some film reviews, some way back when, some sweet potato fried relationship advice. Uh, of course, I mean, we talked recruiting in Nebraska football and basketball. If you'd like a little bit more specific information on any of these topics, you can always visit nebraska.247sports.com. And if you're not a member of Nebraska 24-7, but have been kicking around the idea of being a member of Nebraska 24-7. Do it. Do it. This is a great opportunity in front of you. There, there might be some some deal in the work here. I don't want to give too much away, but I would check back over the weekend or follow the Nebraska 24 seven Twitter account on uh, there. There might just be something for you looking to be a first time member at Nebraska 24 seven. We, uh, we've, you know, greased the wheel a little bit and, and there's something maybe headed this way. That's, that's as much as I can say on it. Uh, you guys have anything you would like to add here to finish this off? Grease the wheel. Like, Light poles in Philadelphia. And with that, we will come to you next week (laughs) if we all remain employed together on the same team.